The following may contain offensive language, adult humor, and or content that some viewers may find offensive. The views and opinions expressed by any one speaker does not explicitly or necessarily reflect or represent those of Mark Rattledge or W2M Network. Please listen with caution, or don't listen at all. We are not even supposed to be here today, Ronnie Adams. I'll tell you what right now. <laughs> this is the yep. long road to ruin. And I am your host, the man data reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Radelich. And joining me for a second time in as many weeks, ladies and gentlemen, he's your dungeon master. No, not that kind of dungeon master, ladies. The other kind. At this point, why not? <laughs> well, you know what? If you find the lucky sub. Ladies and gentlemen, the misfit miscreant himself, Roddy Adams of the Screaming Boy Podcast. How do you do, sir? I'm doing well. I got my Gatorade. I got my I got my mark. I'm I'm I couldn't be happier. Outstanding. So uh, over the summer, actually late spring, early summer, I was like, yeah, I'm not podcasting 50 times a week anymore. I'm social yeah. now. I I have to go out and get a life. I've I've been told. Um. So uh, I cut back like two podcasts a week ish. And I uh, told everybody, like, it's going to be Damn You Hollywood and one other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At which point, Ronnie Adams was like, don't forget about me, boss. And, <laughs> and this was one of the ones that you pitched me and like, hey, what if when we both see Clerks 3, we just do all three Clerks movies? And I said, that's a fine idea, Ronnie Adams. It is. I, I like it. I like it. I like that. I <laughs> When I heard there was there was actually going to be a Clerks three, I got excited and scared all at once, and then <laughs> I knew I had to do a show with you about it. You know, I in our pre-show prep, I said, "Hey, we're going to do this, this, and this." I'm going to throw the I'm going to throw the format out the window because I have to ask first. This came mm-hmm. up on this came up on Instagram today when uh, I put something about I guess doing this show or going to see Clerks three or whatever, something having to do with Clerks three, and my good friend uh, Freak Boy John Brodigan, of whom I used to do. PC Live with was said something about not wanting to go see Clerks Three because Jay and Silent Bob the, the the last Jay and Silent Bob reboot or whatever it was that came out a year or two ago like, yeah hurt his heart and he's not sure he can do another one of these I saw that? that I have to fundamentally disagree with him I knew it wasn't going to be the Good. best because I honestly think 
the Jay and Silent Bob standalones are not the best that he does. Uh, so I don't well, expect a whole lot out of them. Jay um, and Silent Bob Strike Back is a love letter to just the fans. It was it was, yeah. it was just 90 minutes of fan service. Yeah. It's fine because at the time, at like the peak of the Smithiverse, you know, of the of the Jerseyverse, we were there for it. We were, you know, those of us, and we're going to talk about this momentarily, but those of us who saw Clerks in 1994 and mm. were like stayed with Kevin Smith through Dogma, Mall Rats, etc., um, Chasing Amy, when it was all said and done and he was ready to move on with his life and sort of, you know, the swan song was Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. We were like, yeah, we don't care what this is as long as it's funny and it's and it's Kevin yeah. Smith. Yeah, it's, it's, and that's what it's like, it's, it's like a goodbye letter. It's what you come to expect out of of, out of Jay mm -hmm. and Silent Bob movies, right? I mean, it's just you know, um, they were the they were the sidekicks all through Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, right? All this other stuff. I mean, they were there. They were they just how he explains them. They are these are the R two D two and the C three P of the Viewsk universe, right? And uh, it, it's it, they're standalone movies. It's just almost like the, the droids cartoon. It's there. It's good. Uh, it's fun. You know, mm -hmm. kind of one of those things. Um, it's good for kids, I should say. But yeah. uh, it, it, I, I, I enjoyed. I, I knew what to expect out of uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't remember even what year that was. But if it was anything close to COVID. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it was, I, I was in pain at the time, so I might not have enjoyed it as much. <laughs> I remember it, it, I went on back to Amazon. So yeah, I, I well, I remember watching it the same day that I watched one night in Miami, and because I'm hoity, yeah. I am the hoitiest of hoity. I was like, <laughs> uh, I, I much prefer this really talky, you know, uh, this really talky movie about these four black celebrities in, in Miami than than this Kevin Smith movie, but. Um, Clark's came out in October of 1994. 94. I am, I am a freshman in college at the University of Pittsburgh when this comes out. Now you're close to me, yeah. aren't you? I'm 46. How old are you? Uh, I was in junior high at the time. Oh, you're much younger than I am. Uh, well, no, I'm 43, 42. The fuck, you couldn't have been in junior high then. That's right. I'm, I'm, dude. It's math. Come on. Okay. Um, you were at least in high school if you're four years. Yeah, old. I was at least in high school when this came out. So, uh, is the whole rebellion? You know, I got my first corn tape that, that that's that senior year and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and there it wasn't was the actual tape. It was a mm -hmm. it was a recorded tape. Somebody had recorded it for me. This is dub. Dubbed it. Yeah. <laughs> So I uh, there was an independent theater movie theater down the block from my dorm at the University of Pittsburgh, Delighting. and um, I don't even remember. Like I was a big film nerd at that point. I, I was like recently telling somebody about this. The last part of high school and all throughout college, and then later in grad school, I was huge into film. Like yeah, the, like the snootier the better, but also Flesh Gordon. You know, like I it, it definitely. <laughs> I definitely ran both both sides, you know, I definitely oscillated between, you know, let me go buy this foreign French film about a guy eating a ham sandwich, but let me also buy this nudie cutie that was preserved and transferred to DVD under the something weird title. You know, let me go buy Black Mama, White Mama from the Soul Cinema, but also the newly remastered Star Wars trilogy. Right. Uh, I was all over the fucking place. 
<laughs> I was. I, mean, I think you and I have that in common too. But I wasn't the. I wasn't the French film guy, and definitely wasn't the. You know, uh, fifty foot Amazon attack of the fifty foot Amazon. Uh, well, no, that was actually a, that was a straight watch up new, movie. What's the nudie cuties? I didn't watch Nudie Cutie. I didn't watch um, whatever Flesh Gordon or anything like that. Uh, I watched uh, the the worst that we got was we would have what we call cheesathons, mm-hmm. and we would get the worst horror movies we could find. Sure, uh, like we had this one that we picked out multiple times. It's called Screamers, mm-hmm. and on the front it said um, they're alive, but they're inside out, and it showed a person with the skin, you know, like inside yeah. out, you know. Then on the back it said something about. Um, I don't know. I forget what it said on the back, but the movie was about zombies. Mm-hmm. All three different. No, no clue why. Nice. And it, it was a horrible movie. And uh, it was just, it was just, it was a horrible movie. We sit and we would howl laughing at these. So we would go with that. And then I would, you know, that was, you know, high school. And then, you know, as I further got down to you know, college, I started discovering like Citizen Kane and stuff like that. So it right. could be like Night of the Demons, and then I'd be like, "Oh, hey, look, you know, Casablanca's on. Let's watch that." And they're like, "Who oh, are yeah. you?" We you spend, know, we spend an entire evening watching The Deer Hunter, and then like cap it off with fucking, you know, the Jack f- Frost, you know, or yeah, whatever, the Pig Keeper's daughter or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> we took my we, a bunch of us went into the city for a midnight showing of Flesh Gordon, and my friend we told him not to. My friend brought his fiance at the time. We we're like, dude, it's Flesh Gordon. Don't do it. It's a porno. <laughs> uh, yeah, very much so. Anyway, I mean, like, uh, why would you bring your fiance? Just felt like she wanted to be part of the group that night. Anywho, anyway, yeah, midnight <sighs> showing, by the way. That and Donnie Darko. Um, <sighs> so that brings me to this indie theater in Pittsburgh. So I'm already got this huge interest, and clerks have been making, there's been some buzz about it. Um, and then as far as this unknown indie filmmaker who shot this thing on credit cards for like $30,000. And I remember I, I saw it with a guy who had always like worked for his dad. He had never really been out in the job market on his own. But I had been working since I'm 14 years old. I started off like in a Jewish kosher diner deli and working yeah. at Burger King. Um, I worked in catering halls, that sort of shit. So I, I very much understood the retail market. And I sold shoes, as a matter of fact. I, I, I went for Endicott Johnson's shoe, shoe store. So I, I very much worked. Yeah, I know. Make the Al Bundy jokes. Um, I, I very much understood what it was like to be a retail salesperson, work with the public, etc. And I saw this movie. And if Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction hadn't already ignited my love of filmmaking, this certainly did. Like, I was super impressed with how he was able to put this thing together for, like, the salary of a first-year teacher all on it, his own. It really was. It, it, it's – I have the uh, the line here from the Wikipedia. Um, it's often regarded as a cult classic and landmark in independent filmmaking. And in 2019, it was selected for preservation in the U.S. National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. I knew I knew right then and there when I was watching this thing, this was this was gonna change film. A movie with snowballing in it. Considered <laughs> culturally. Can I tell you how I forgot how dirty this movie was? Oh, it was filthy. I want to go ahead and say, first of all, I'm not a bad father. No. Um, 
No, he's really not. I've, I've seen him with his kids, and I know him. He's I, a wonderful father. I show my kids things that are culturally, what is the line here? Uh, culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. So I made them watch Clerks with me in preparation for this. <laughs> and they were definitely like, at the end of it, I was like, what did you guys think? As I'm like pulling on my shirt, like, oh, God, I forgot about the snowballing thing. Right. I, forgot how, I forgot how sex driven the dialogue is of this movie. Because I, I just remember like some of like the funny parts, but I never, I don't, I didn't remember all the sex talk. And both my kids are just looking at me like two things. One, why? Like, <laughs> I forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> and they're like, two, half of this movie we didn't understand. And, and we're not asking any questions. Could we please go to our rooms now? I'm like, yes, yes, you may. That's brilliant. Yep. They're going to be the coolest kids in junior high, though. I'll tell you that right now. Um, but that's my so that was my experience with it. The guy I was with, um, who saw the movie with me, didn't understand the movie at all. Like he was like, I don't understand. I've worked with the public my whole life working for my dad. I don't understand what the problem here is. So <laughs> I put this movie in the same category for me as um I get this movie because of you know uh, later well it, it hits it hit harder when I when I got into the workforce, just like you. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't have a job when I was 14 or 15, but um, but I did work summers for my uncle uh, at his store and stuff like that, just weeks at a time or whatever, or a couple of days or whatever. So I kind of knew. And then I got a job straight out of high school. And I was like, oh, this is, you know, this feels like clerks, you know, kind of. Yeah. But this it's in the same be, category. This job as, would be great if it wasn't for the customers. Exactly. It was the same. And it was the same category as Dazed and Confused. Mm. It is just literally just a story that is centered around a couple of main characters who are absolutely doing nothing right you know and um and it somehow it just because i'm from a small town that centers around sports um so i know how you know baseball football all that is like you know you how you got like the old man come up on on um uh, uh earl pink and uh and uh he grabbed his arms he's you got some touchdowns in that arm board. We're going to go all the way this year. And, da, da, da. and it's we this and we that. And the guy's like 900 years old. <laughs> like, do you play or coach? Or what, are you, what is this we stuff? No, it's a small town attitude of, right. and that's our, you know, that's us. That's that's us on the field. That's what we, 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 we. It's like I hear, you know, people, you know, and I'm not taking anything away from them. Don't keep doing it if you if that's what, you know, I'm not yucking anybody's yum. But, you know, people with pro sports, I love football. I've been a 49ers fan since I was a kid, but I will never say, hey, we're going all the way this year. We did this. We didn't do this good. I don't play. I certainly don't make the money they do. So I, I'm not one of them. You know, so I just don't understand that, and I never did. But, you know, it's it, it's a uh, – small town in Jersey, small town and wherever that was, uh, you know, I can't remember offhand. Um, I'm dazed and confused. But, you know, I grew up in a small town, and that's – it's what you did. I mean, you hung out at the convenience store or, or whatever and, and, and tried to make the best of it. What? No. <clears throat> Clark's just one of these like slice of life movies. It's like, yeah. here is my, you know, and Kevin Smith talked about that. So part of what the reason why Ronnie and I are doing this tonight is both of us went to the Clark's three showing with Q&A by Kevin Smith. And so you got to see him? Yeah, I did. And Kevin Smith talked about how Clark's is very much like he he worked while he shot the movie, which I didn't realize. Like he was yeah. working in the convenience store in the quick stop. 
and he and they would shoot scenes at night when the store was closed or be, or they would shoot stuff when the store was slow they would you know they close everything off and like he would literally set up a shot a customer would come in they'd have to deal with the customer they would leave they would go back to shooting but yeah really, absolutely like if you at the time especially if you have like a love for like guerrilla filmmaking and you know just kind of running around with a camera um making your dreams this is the happen, epitome of it. yeah this really is this is this is a guy this is the american dream right here this is a guy who pulled what little resources he had and made a thing happen he had a perspective he had a vision for what it was he had a story he needed to tell and he went out there and told it and and to me there's nothing there's almost nothing more beautiful than that there's nothing more american than than that in my opinion um yeah. you know so i cl- people may have their issues with the movie clerks but i'll always love it for that reason you know, I, I say this to Robert all the time on Damn You Hollywood. Some, you know, we, we talked about this last year with Halloween Kills and a little bit this year. So I don't really care what the perspective is. I'm just glad there is one. You yeah. Know, I, I just I just want to see passion in the filmmaker and I want to see it on screen. I don't necessarily yeah. have to relate to it or care about it, but I'm moved by your passion, by your um <laughs> by your needing to tell the story and get this out of you. So with that said, um, before we jump into fully talking about Clerks, just real quick, the View is Skewerverse. There's the three Clerks movies, Jay and Silent Bob, Dogma, Mallrats, Chasing Amy. Am I missing one? Well, it's Which all pretty much the View is Universe, even his yeah. more serious ones. But I'm thinking, um, I'm trying to figure out which one, yeah. I feel like I got, I feel like I got them. I'm, I think I you got them all. It, it always feels like there's one more. But I think you got them all. Um, hang on. <clears throat> you know, Wikipedia. There we go. <laughs> Kevin Smith filmography. Here we go. Yeah, Clark, Small Rats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Jane, Silent Bob, Strike Back, and then it's then Clerks Two. Yeah. Um, and then Jane, Silent Bob reboot, and then Clerks Three. But I mean, as far as that time period goes, it goes it goes from 1994 to 2001's Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back before then yeah. goes to Jersey Girl and you know yeah never makes a good movie again. Um, <laughs> Whoa, so, no, let's talk about Red State before you do that. I haven't seen Red State. There was a big conversation about that. Apparently, people love it, but that's what I wanted to ask you. Like, mm-hmm. so my favorite Kevin Smith movie is probably Dogma. Not one we've talked about on the Rattle Legend Broadcasting Network. When the opportunity came to talk about a Kevin Smith movie, we took a hard ride at Albuquerque and did Zach and Miri make a porno. Why? Because that was Sean's pick. I mean, it's a very <laughs> me thing to do. Like, hey, all these movies. I'll do the one where they where they talk about porn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he wanted to do it for an on trial, so we did. What um, what's your favorite? But as far as like what am I passionate about? What <laughs> was my favorite one? Probably Dogma. Of the View Askewverse, I think it's the most mature of mm-hmm. his movies. I think it's the one that has the most coherent perspective. That it's not just like I live this life and I need to talk about it, kind of a thing, which is what Clerks was, or Mallrats, which was like his attempt at a big budget crowd pleaser, um, which utterly failed. Or you know, as much as I like chasing Amy, I don't necessarily re- I don't necessarily relate to it as much. Dogma was something like you know that while it treated it in a silly way i like the fact that it asked questions about religion about the marketing of religion um zealotry and all of that i think it came out around the same time as saved yeah good old buddy christ 
And between Dogma and Saved, I thought we were having a really fun conversation and in independent film about hey, you're the state the of religion first, in America. You're the first person in 20 years. Yeah, 20, I'll say 20 years to ever mention that movie to me. I See? loved that movie. I am a, a hard, like I'm a born again Christian. I mean, mm-hmm. I've told this to many people before, and I know I'll admit it. You know, I, I am a Christian, and I, I love church. I love, I love Jesus. I love that movie Saved because right. it literally nails hypocrisy in mm-hmm. the face and says, "Yeah, this is what you have to look out for." Whether they meant to do that or not, they did it. You know, a lot of people have problems with Saved, and a lot of people have problems with Dogma for that reason. That these that these are movies that really question um, blind faith, and yeah. people don't want it questioned. I don't. I don't mind questions. I mean, mm-hmm. I've always taught when I've taught kids and and youth and stuff. It's okay to question. You mm-hmm. that's how you learn. That's how you ask. You know, you 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 go in. Um, yeah, there is blind faith that that is required sometimes, but there are, there are also answers that are out there. That you can find, and um, so you gotta you gotta ask some questions. Otherwise, you're not you're just going to be ignorant about the whole thing. So and what, um, <clears throat> what's your favorite Kevin Smith movie? Um, okay, so I'm always gonna have a soft spot for for Clerks, um, uh, and and now Clerks Three. Yeah, um, you were really giddy about that in our group chat, like sending it, like man. sending us pic. You're like Alexis when she goes to cons. It's like I got a picture. Look, it's Kevin Smith. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> you were so happy. I. I, without sounding weird, uh, I love that man. I've okay. met him twice now. Uh, he is the sweetest human being I've ever met in my life. Granted, on Monday night he was completely faded, but he was still compre- You know, he still he still comprehended things and was very aware of his surroundings and all that. He wasn't that faded, but he was he was he admitted he's a man. I'm Hazekite. Um, but he, you know, he's been traveling around doing all this stuff. So that's probably why he was blazing because he's probably, probably tired. Um, but, um, but I've met him twice now and he's taken the time each time to ask me questions before I can even ask him a question. And then when I told him, Hey, Hey, I said, man, I did a podcast for a while. Um, that I absolutely loved. And he goes, really? And he seems super like genuinely interested in it. Now, I know he's an actor or whatever, but he's not that good of an actor. He's still a good actor. <laughs> but not that good of an actor. And um, he asked me what the name of it was. And I told him it was Screaming Boy Podcast. And he asked me what it was about. I said, mostly movies, a little bit of pop culture. And he said, that's great. And I said, I don't do it anymore. But I did it. And I was actually, I like to say that I was worldwide because I picked up some overseas listeners and I was coast to coast and I had some overseas listeners as well. And he was astounded. And I was like, dude, you have the smod cast. You yeah. have everything, you know, why are you, I said, and I told him that the only reason I did this is because I wanted something with my name on it out there. And he goes, ah, and I said, I watched you with evening with Kevin Smith and you made clerks. And I started tearing up at this time that you made clerks because you wanted something out there with your name on it. And that inspired me. You inspired me to make my podcast. And he started tearing up. And I was like, I said, so thank you for that. Thank you for being an inspiration. And, you know, and we just stood there and talked for a minute. And he's genuinely like that solidified him as one of my favorite directors because he is completely all about his fans. Yeah. Um, And I appreciated that. And that was with what was in Raleigh and Galaxy Con. 
This time I walked up to him and he just did this and he hugged me. He's shorter than me, <laughs> which was great because I got a good hug on him. And he, I said, this is actually the second time I've met you. And he goes, oh, the con. And I went, yeah, I met you at, you know, Galaxy Con. And I was like, no, he doesn't remember. I don't think he quite remembered me, but he just kind of put two and two together, I think. So he stood there and talked to me for a minute again. And, uh, you know, it, it was just one of those things where, like, we, I, oh, man. And to have his movies, multiple movies, talk to me. And uh, not talk to me, speak to me on different levels about stuff like Clerks and Chasing Amy and Dogma and Red State, which is my favorite Kevin Smith movie of all time. Um, Red State is very much his attempt, not attempt, but his success in horror. Mm -hmm. uh, Tusk being his attempt. I still love Tusk, but it's it's no Red State. Um, outside the view universe, red state is, is to answer your question in a long, long roundabout way is, is my favorite Kevin Smith movie because it's almost perfect as far as, um, being scary, mm -hmm. but in a real way. Okay. Yeah. There was a lot of talk about it in the Q and a, all right, let's get into clerks here. So Clerks essentially is about Dante and Randall. They are uh, employees of a convenience store and a VHS rental store, uh, respectively. RST uh, video, of, baby. Outside of the video are two drug dealers, Jay and Silent Bob. And this is just a day in the life of these two people. Um, the premise is that it's supposed to be Dante's day off, but he gets called in because somebody calls out. So he's whining about that all day. He has a girlfriend named Veronica who brings him lasagna, but he's pining for a girl named Caitlin who is marrying an Asian design student and um, and she's coming home because they've been talking for months now but like behind Veronica's back and she yeah. needs to talk to Dante about it. Um, and so over the course of the movie, uh, we it's building towards Caitlin and Dante reuniting. And then the big question is, well, what will happen to him once that happens? Will he break up with Veronica? Will he go back to Caitlin? And spoilers, just if you're you don't want to know what happens, either turn this off and come back in a little bit, or plug your ears or something, or go get a sandwich. There's a scene in the movie, and there's no delicate way to describe this. An old uh, man comes in, and he and he he has to take a nap. Clearly, he clearly wants to masturbate in the bathroom, but he does it under the guise of "I need to go to the bathroom," and he keeps annoying Dante about. Do you have the right toilet paper? Can I have a magazine? Will you let me use the bathroom? And he finally does. And then we kind of, the film kind of forgets about him for a while and other hilarity ensues. Uh, Caitlin comes back. She has a whole conversation with Dante and he's going to break up with Veronica and they're going to go out tonight and they're going to be real boyfriend and girlfriend this time. And it's everything Dante wants. She leaves and comes back. Dante leaves and comes back. She beats him there. She's talking to Randall. Randall says, if you hurt him again, I'll kill you. Um, yeah, then, oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Then she goes to the bathroom and she comes out. Dante is there and she's like, hey, wait a minute. Weren't you just in the bathroom? No, I just got here. Who the hell did I just have sex with? Yeah. <laughs> Even at that point, it was like, oh, God. Yeah. So Caitlin fucked the dead guy. Um, <laughs> he had died hours before in the bathroom with a hard on. 
He went. That was in the morning. Um, in, in the movie yeah, that he came in early in the morning. At least the afternoon, because it's the evening when this all happens. Yeah, because they they played they played hockey while he was right. in there. Right. Uh, the they went to the wake. Yep. Where Randall and knocked the corpse over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and then um, corpse. <laughs> Um, so there, there's so much ridiculousness that happens in this movie that is just yeah it's hard to do like a plot synopsis because nothing really like i remember jonas even asked me he's like i don't understand what this movie's about i'm like it's about these two guys and their day so there's the because and this is very kevin smith and quentin tarantino very very much of that era of filmmaking where there's so much emphasis on just talky dialogue yeah what do you mean by talky dialogue i mean we've been talking for almost a half an hour now and you know it's been about this but there's been definitely times like on the podcast where we'll just be you know debating the merits of this is a great example of this probably the best example i have we spent a good 30 to 45 minutes debating the merits uh debating who owned captain america's shield who's who who had the right to give captain america's shield to uh sam wilson oh have you not heard our infamous fucking three hour long review of falcon and the winter soldier I haven't. I, I don't know why. I should have. Alexis almost quit podcasting. Mm. We, it was me, David, Alexis, Robert Winfrey, and David Wright. And the four That's guys got into the neck beardiest conversation over, um, I can't remember what the phrase is, but basically, like, like who, who had the rights to the shield? Um, was it Captain America's to give away? Did it belong to the government? Uh, something like, like when you, I, I think I had like, compared it to when you're discharged from the military do you, are, the, are the guns yours or do you have to give them back to the government that kind of a thing you have to give them back yeah well alexis fucking nearly walked off the podcast it was that bad but it was That's but like it's that kind of like who, who owns captain america's shield there's a lot of this movie of just like conversations about which was the better movie empire or jedi and talking about like independent contractors on the there's second yeah a whole um, a whole conversation of independent contractors on the Death Star mm-hmm. that were murdered when the when the as he put attacked. it left wing was it left wing terrorists yeah, left wing came left out of nowhere terrorists, yeah. right yeah left wing radical terrorists came out you know and blew it up right. and I was like okay first of all I don't think the Empire's right wing uh, but anyway uh, <laughs> but uh, it's just one of those things where the fascist they, military dictatorship I don't know how much more right they had to be. Okay, Chris. No, knock it off. <laughs> Chris will be my father for those that don't know. And if you want to know why he said that, go check out my TikTok. Please um, go check out the TikTok and then come back and agree with me. Um, <laughs> but um, it, it, like, it, I had these conversations with my friends. Yeah, I remember having that conversation of people, sure. not not the independent contractors, but um, but of, of innocent people on the Death Star. Yeah, uh, having that in, in junior high, you know, or high school before even seeing movies, this movie, and so you know, were they married? Were their parent? Were their were their were their parents or, or or loved ones on there? What's going on with that? There's millions of people on the Death Star, and everybody's like, "Yeah, we killed them all. Screw them," you know. Um, it, it was like I remember having these conversations, right. and then and then the whole thing where he he dunks the chip in the salsa, and he goes, "No, yeah, nah. and it was a whole scene of him doing. You know, uh, salsa shark. Right. It was like you know, there's so much sex talk in this movie. So, like, one of the opening bits of dialogue is 
Dante and Veronica having a conversation about sex and Dante talking about like he slept with 12 different women. She's only slept with three, but she sucked 36 dicks. Yeah, she said she had world sex with 36 different, 37, including him. Right. I'm 37, you know, and then Imagine and then there she's walking out to the parking lot. <laughs> As he's walking, she's walking out. He's going out. He goes, uh, he's like, uh, hey, is everything okay? like this random guy standing? He goes, my girlfriend, it's like 36 dicks. And he goes, in a row? And the guy like follows her to the car. He's like, hey, yeah. get back here. Try not to, you know, and then he goes, hey, hey, get back here. I love it. I mean, it's just, just right. It's, it's smart. Snowballing. Yeah, all of that. And it because it's it's just like again when you're a young I guess a young man like I as you were saying I had those conversations with my friends you know yeah. I've had those conversations with girls about like what we've done what they've done etc. This felt it, it, it's like taken from your, maybe ex exaggerated in, in a bit yes taken from anybody's general walk of life then you intersperse that with the kind of with the with the commentary on customer service. You know, so there's the weirdo customers that come in. There's the guy. There's the like the guidance counselor is like fucking with the eggs. You have the one woman who's looking for like the the um a bottle of milk with you know the oldest date on it or whatever. You know, milkmaid, milkmaid. Yeah. Um. You have the guy. You have the the gum salesman who's doing a presentation Chewy in the store about cigarettes, and he's like, cigarettes are you know cancer merchant. People are like chucking cigarettes at Dante. Um, oh, that's one of my favorite. I just. I, I always notice I'm weird because I know product placement a lot in, mm -hmm. in movies. Yeah. And they didn't really, they didn't really do product placement, but they used what they had. And it, I always said, they always go and go a pack of cigarettes and he'd always hand a different, it looked like a different brand right. every single time. Well, you know, whether it be someone would say pack of cigarettes and then never what brand it was as if there aren't 500 different million of them. Right. And he would just reach up and grab one blindly and throw it down there. Like right. a red one, a white one, you know, blue one, whatever. Right. And I was like, that's really interesting. That's, you know, that's the level of detail that I guess I have on certain things, but it didn't really matter in the long run mm -hmm. um, what, because what they all changed to nail cigarettes after that. If you can get past the sex talk and the funny everyday friend talk and the silly things that happen in the movie, what Clerks is really about is how to handle one's station in life. You yes. know, when, when you're... It's it's somewhat about friendship, and certainly the later ones definitely focus on the friendship between Dante and Randall. But this first movie was about what do you do when you're complacent? How does that complacency affect you? Um, and then what do you do to change it? Can you change it? Can you, can you change your station in life? And there's definitely the perspective in the the Kevin Smith's perspective, the movie's perspective seems to be that with a, just a little bit of effort. And stick to itiveness, and maybe a positive outlook. You don't have to play the hand you're dealt. You can change your station in life. You can do something different. That is really the battle that Dante has in the movie, and I, it's very easy to dismiss all of that because everyone focuses on the funny stuff, the snowball, yeah. and the Star Wars, or this, or that. Um, but I think if you look at it critically, and you're like, well, what are the themes of this? What is it? What makes this worth talking about? I think it's a movie that we can all relate to in terms of I wanted to be this, but I ended up doing this. And now I'm in this place in life and I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. And I don't know what to do with it. You know, I'm, I'm not with the girl that I want to be with. I'm with the girl that I feel safe with, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, 
I'm working in a dead end job, but I'm I'm happy with this and I'm happy abusing customers, you know, that sort of thing. I think it does make you think and reflect about your own life and the choices that you make and making you ask yourself, if you think about this at all, you know, am I happy with where I am in life or am I just existing? I'll let you have the final word about Clerks here. I think I really do think it's a brilliant movie. You nailed it. You, you nailed it on the head for me. Um, you hit the nail on the head for me because the reason I love this so much is like we've said it before is because there is something whether it is exaggerated and whether it is exactly what your life is or not, it's very familiar. It's like putting on an old sweatshirt and feeling comfortable. This movie, if I if there's any movie that I can turn on and still laugh at and pay attention to. Mm-hmm. This is one of them. This is definitely one of them. I watched it. The um, I watched it the day of. Um, hey, stop, my dog. I watched it the day of uh, the premiere. I mean, well, the mm-hmm. the uh, not premiere, but the showing of uh, Clerks Three. Yeah. Uh, at lunchtime, and then uh, I didn't finish it, obviously. But the the drive to the theater it was about forty five minutes, so I just put it in my car, put it up on my, my phone and let it play on the way there and just laughed and talked with it while I was driving. And, uh, and then on the way home that night, I to not to make sure I stayed awake as well. Cause it was late when I left, mm-hmm. um, clerks too. I put that on and didn't watch it, but just listen to it because I could still see it. You know, every, every minute of it in my head of what happened. And, um, so, this is a very familiar, very comfortable movie for me because I, I, I know the feelings in it. And I, I can relate with Dante. I can relate with Randall, you know, on some things. Um, I told that to, to Jeff. You know, I, I told that to, uh, yeah, Anderson, Jeff Anderson himself. He goes, oh, oh God, don't tell me that. It was really funny. He's like, don't, don't relate with Randall. I was like, no, I relate with Randall because he feels like almost left behind by everybody. At mm-hmm. time, and uh, and he's just there to kind of boost everybody else, you know, else up through friendship, mm-hmm. and he knows that's his role. So he he slides into that role very easily until he finally breaks and says, "You know what? Screw you! You're selfish." And he, you know, and then finally he gets to be that selfish. Well, we'll talk about it, but uh, but I, I, I that's why I love this movie is just because. I can relate to it on multiple levels and it's just, and it's funny. Yeah. It's one of the funniest movies ever. Like I said, between this and Pulp Fiction, my, my view of film changed completely. It like really changed. It changed my life in a lot of ways. It made me look at things differently. made me look at like what you can do. If you uh, do the hard work, uh, stand up in the face of adversity and don't let, don't let the failures bring you down. I said, Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction and Kevin Smith Clark's, are monumental movies of the nineties. Just, just fantastic. He, Whether you like he them said, personally or not. Yeah. He literally said, I don't care if this fails or not. It's going to be something with my name on it. Yep. He, he said um, in a Q and a in, in Raleigh that he and his buddy at the time had a race before he started making this to see who could, who could open as many credit cards as they could. <laughs> he won by, he won with 12. He had 12 credit cards. And he, he maxed 12 credit cards out, I think it was. He said, he, or he closed a few of them, but he, he maxed all of his credit cards out. Mm-hmm. 
and sold his comic book collection. Yeah. To make this one movie. And it became so successful. Paid all his paid all his debt off. And he bought his comic books back. Um, I, you know, I, I jumped on the wiki to Clerks, um, Clerks too, but real quick, so it was made on a budget of almost thirty thousand dollars. Um, it's made four point four million dollars. Outside of horror movies, I can't think of like another movie that's that successful in terms of its budget versus its box office. Yeah, it's that's pretty monumental in terms of film history, uh, box office. So let's move on to Clerks 2, unless you have anything else you want to say about the original. I'm good on that one. Clerks 2 came out in 2006, uh, July 2006. And it's 10 years after the events of the first film. It opens with a quick stop burning down. Um, <laughs> that broke my heart. Uh, this brought in Rosario Dawson. Um, it brings back the original cast and adds a few others. And um, in this one, they're working in in a fast food restaurant called Movies. <laughs> God, the names of some of the food in this movie. And Movies whole, is amazing. It almost entirely takes place in the fast food restaurant. Um, in this one, the setup is it's the last day. I learned this in screenwriting class. What you know, you're in terms of your film structure, in terms of how you're going to set up your screenplay. What makes today different than any other day? And so. The answer to that question for Clerks 2 is it's Dante's last day at the fast food restaurant. Mm -hmm. He is engaged to, I believe Kevin Smith's wife plays uh, plays the character. Yes. He's engaged Better to Jennifer or whatever Smith. Yeah. I can't say her last name or maiden name. Um, so he's married to this gal and they are packed up and moving to Florida. And this is the last day before he leaves. Over the course of the movie, leaving alone all the stuff with Randall and the, the, the Elias character and all the nonsense that happens. As an aside, did not show this one to my kids. I remembered the donkey show. Um, so, yeah, no, no kids did not watch Clerks 2. They are 8 and 11 and did not need to know that some people have sex with donkeys. Yes. But, you know. <laughs> I, they, thank they have, you. Let, let there be some innocence. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> some innocence. That would destroy everything. <laughs> yeah. People so, anyway, I, I watched that one on my own. And um, Dominic? So over the course of the movie, you learn that Dante and the Rosario Dawson character um, have feelings for each other that have been unrequited. And um, she's actually finds out that she's pregnant and it's Dante's, uh, which he finds out at the in the third act of the film amidst the donkey show. <laughs> um, throughout the movie, there's always the question of, is Dante moving to Florida to run his, fa his future father-in-law's car wash? Because that's what he wants. Does he want this life? Or is he doing what he thinks is expected of him? That personally resonates with me because of something my wife said recently. Where, you know, over the course of this year when we've discussed our marriage and our marriage dynamic. And I said, you know, when we got together, you absolutely wanted um, a house, a marriage, a, a house, a husband and kids. You seem to not want that anymore what happened and she was like i would never want to give up you or the kids but i think i was making a lot of those decisions because that's what i thought i was supposed to do mm. i thought i was supposed to get a job get a husband get a house get kids and just live a happy middle class normal life and while there are elements of that that make me happy not all of it does and that is more or less dante's struggle 
yeah. I'm been told, I have been raised to believe you go to high school, you go to college, you get a job, you get a wife, you get kids, you get a house, and you just live. And so he's do and so he's just doing what he thinks he's supposed to do. And there's Randall, kind of the Greek chorus of this thing the whole time going, Are you being true to yourself? And in the face of that as the Rosaria Dawson character, someone he truly loves, but isn't allowing himself to love one because she keeps telling him she could never love just one guy. Right. But also, you know, she is the she's going in the other direction. If he runs to her, he's running away from normalcy. Yeah. He runs towards normalcy. He's running away from his true self. That is the central conflict of this movie. This the secondary conflict of this is because Randall has decided because Dante has decided to leave and go to Florida. Randall is feeling uh, the loss, of, the mourning of his friendship. His friendship is over. This man is leaving him, and he feels like you know. In, in a lot of ways, Dante and Randall are in a relationship with each other. And, and Dante is breaking it off. And Randall says to him at the time, if you're breaking up our friendship because this is what you truly want, that's one thing. But if you're doing it just because you think you're supposed to, that hurts more than anything else. Yes. And so I, so Clerks 2 is, again, <clears throat> it's about, one, it's about being true to yourself, but it's also about friendship, which is absolutely what the next one is about. But and I think as silly as this one got at times, and it drags in certain places, and has an utterly unnecessary dance sequence to Which ABC is on the really roof. Wonderful. I mean, it's a lovely dance sequence, but utterly unnecessary, and definitely breaks up the movie in a way that was not necessary. Um, you know, that's but, one uh, question I've never heard asked from him: um, mm -hmm. why he put that in there. I feel like it's like a mall rats thing or like a studio note. Um, anyway, I don't think Clerks 2 is as good as Clerks 1, but it's hard to it's hard to beat out a masterpiece. But Clerks yeah. 2 is, is entertaining in its own right. What did you think of it? I would take a bite of something. I'm sorry. Um, I agree with you on that. I enjoyed it because it was fun. Um, mm -hmm. The silliness is kind of what I've come to expect of Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. But um, even the dance sequence was like, I was like, what is this? I mean, look, I'm not going to be, I'm not opposed to Rosario Dawson shaking that ass and tits. It's fine. <laughs> she is so freaking hot in this movie. I don't know what makes it different. Dude, Rosario just, Dawson is hot in everything. Have you seen her? In yeah, absolutely. But I don't know what makes it different in this one. I just Thanks. find her more attractive in this one. But anyway, um, it, 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 you're right. I mean, Ultimately, it's about friendship. It's about, um, or, or you know, I don't think it's because he's been conditioned to or taught uh, so much as, as Dante. But I think Dante, being the self-deprecating, you know, um, self-abusive person that he is, mm -hmm. thinks he doesn't deserve any better. Than, I think that's a, fair. I think that's fair. I'm, um, settle, I'm, settling, I'm settling for this nag and this kept yeah. life. Because that's all that's all I am. I'm had she been a better happens. person, had she mm -hmm. been a better person, because you could still feel that off of her. Yeah. Um uh, as soon as she was introduced, I was like, you know, she's not good for him. And I don't know why. Oh my god, the Mrs. Hicks shirt. Oh, that's why yeah, remember that's when that was a cultural thing? Yeah. So like I was I was, I was sitting there and I was like, uh, she had done nothing. Other than wear a Mrs. Hicks shirt. Um, and then she was, you know, of course, mean to, to Randall and everything. And I was like, well, 
she's just not good for him. She's and he absolutely the girl whose goal in life is to have a husband and make sure that husband is kept in the high tower away from everybody else. Absolutely. And she wanted somebody that she could rule over, not somebody that she could rule beside. Right. And that's that was the whole thing with 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 her. I was like, well, he's been conditioned, he's been whipped into thinking he doesn't deserve better than her, even though he has better than her in his lap. You know, he's painting her toenails every day. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's painting her nails, just like he used to do with with Veronica, uh, with Veronica who was he was actually legitimately in love with. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, it, it was there was just little things like that you could pick up on that I absolutely adored about it. Um, was it as good as the first one? No, no, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, uh, still great. Still great. In my opinion, even the yeah. dance scene. What are some of your favorite, um, we don't need to, to, to belabor it too much, but what are some of your favorite bits from this movie? Pillar obviously, the, the, obviously the donkey show is hilarious. That, that whole third act sequence with the donkey show is fucking makes me laugh. The less you show the funnier and they showed way too much in that. <laughs> they didn't actually show. They didn't show, but they showed. But my favorite, one of my favorite, my, I hate to say it, but pillow pants is one of the funniest things ever. Um, the, 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 the vagina troll. <laughs> yeah. Pillow my, pants uh, and vagina troll. The, the debate over Star Wars versus Lord of the Rings. Still oh, with the dude up. just pukes in the middle of the oh, floor? Yeah. First oh, of all, Randall's so impression funny. of like, the Lord of the Rings trilogy is just like, it's just three hours. It's just, it's six hours of, um, sorry, nine hours of walking. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was like, Lord, brilliant. Lord of the Rings is like my favorite trilogy ever. But that yeah. cracked it. But I remember even watching this the first time and that cracking me up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, honestly, because it's kind of true. Uh, I have to say it, but it's kind of true. They just walked a lot, you know. And um, we're going to completely ignore the battle of the battle of Pelennor Fields and Helm's Deep, yeah. Right, right, absolutely. But um, shut up. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, well, it was <laughs> it that one. Uh, that sorry, that, that go watch your go watch Andor and Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh, sorry, Reva. I haven't watched Andor the, yet. The Reva show. I haven't watched that one yet. Oh, um, good, good. But maybe, uh, maybe, maybe yeah, I think I, for fucking children. I, I um, there's this whole other sequence that I'm I'm remiss. I, I don't want to say mm-hmm. it, but if you watch the movie, you'll be like, oh, that's why he doesn't want to say it. Um, where Randall decides to take back. Oh, the certain... porch monkey bit. Oh, no. hilarious. <laughs> like, I remember they... laughing like like this. I can theater. I tell you how often I've used the I'm taking it back phrase because of that? Oh, I know you have. You've used it with me. <laughs> I've said some shit on this show on 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 my podcast over the years. I'm taking it back. Next. Yeah, and it's like you can't say that. I'm like, no, I'm taking it fucking back, man. I'm taking it back. And he wrote it in in in, in masking tape on <laughs> his on his back for life. for life. Oh, that's so that whole sequence was great. And then you know, Wanda Sykes and, and her husband in it, or you know, mm-hmm. they're playing husband and wife. He's like, You can't taste racism in food. And she's like, put the food down. It's like, right. <laughs> I was losing it because the guy was like, Yeah, you're an idiot, but I'm gonna I'm gonna eat free food today. I will, <laughs> yeah, it's that whole really thing. Oh, that do con- what? 
it's a funny bit. The last thing I'm going to say, and then I'll, I'll give you the last word on this and we'll move on. The conversation in the jail cell about, you know, oh my God, you, you never shut up. All you do is talk. You never yeah. have any answers to anything. What would you do if you were me? And Randall's like, I'd open the quick stop, you fucking asshole. Yes. You know, talking about how, like, that was the best part of his life and it's gone and if he could do anything. And sorry, Jason, like, we haven't really talked a lot about Jay and Silent Bob because they're kind of the Greek chorus. But yeah. But Jay, but Jay and Silent Bob going, well, you know, like we have two conditions to loan you the money to, to buy back the quick stop. One, we get to hang out and deal drugs. Two, you guys have to blow each other. You could yeah. totally believe that like, that was a real condition and told Silent Bob was like, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That was... I was like, I I laugh hysterically every single time. You guys have to blow each other. Like he's excited about the prospect. It reminded me of it reminded me a little bit of the um Starsky and Hatch remake where he's like two dragons where he's like you I'll, I'll tell you what you need but I need a dragon and you need to ride the dragon well the and I was like line is why don't you guys just fucking get it over with I think the whole yeah. audience felt that like like they you know it, it was it, it's almost better dealt with in chasing Amy but that whole idea of like two guys being so close they they could be in a relationship with one another it's like it's everything but physical romance um, yes. like this, I, my God, the sexual tension between Randall and Dante. Woo-wee. Yeah, it's really kind of rough, isn't it? Oh my God. It's, it's, it might make you uncomfortable if you're not okay with such things. <laughs> so anything else about clerks too? No, I think, I, I think we pretty much covered it on that because it's, it's, it's beautiful too. Um, I, and I, I'm not just because I'm a fan, but because honestly, um, the, these are these films. These movies are hard hard to beat. Um, there are movies, and then there are films. And I believe mm-hmm. I truly believe that these are films. Uh, Clerks Two goes a little bit into the movie realm at, at times, but yeah. it's still, you know, it's still wonderful. Yeah, I think I think Clerks Two lacks that gorilla quality. It has the same issues yeah. that Mallrats have, where you know, Mallrats people don't tend to not like it because it just feels it. it any movie that followed Clerks that had a big budget was not going to be liked as much by fans. What we liked about Clerks was its guerrilla style. So yeah. Mall Rats, I think, gets unfairly criticized. Clerks kind of has that same issue where it's like, oh my god, another Clerks movie, and it's not in black and white, and it's not really a slice of life. It's, you know, Kevin Smith in the um, Q and A was like, it's all facade, yeah. right? And that's why people don't like it as much. Yeah. Uh, Clerks three, which came out. Had, I think a very limited release. Um, it was on a budget of seven million. It's so far made three point eight million, and it came out September thirteenth, twenty twenty two. And they've been touring it around, uh, doing Q and As with it. Uh, we saw it here at the local Tampa, the the Tampa Theater in uh, downtown Tampa. I saw it and, in the Carolina Theater. Uh, so the whole thing behind Clerks Three, very simply, is Randall has a heart attack, and um, when he comes out of it, he's like, "I've done nothing with my life." I'm going to make a movie about my life. And so basically Randall is the avatar for Kevin Smith. Yes. Um, and both having a heart attack and, main, and and trying to make changes in his life so he doesn't die, but also the having heart attack, the, the yeah. Widowmaker heart attack, the whole nine. Yeah. Having this thing inside of him that he needs to get out and share with people. So they, they essentially, Clerks 3 is this very meta. They're making the movie that becomes the original Clerks. Yeah. So it's a snake eating its tail. But what the movie is really about, again, it's about their friendship. And um, at, towards the end of the movie, Dante has Dante's going off on Randall 
who's become kind of just impossible to deal with during the filming of this thing. Like he gets, he gets very fucking like Scorsese about it. <laughs> just, just unbearable. And uh, so Dante goes off on him and has a heart attack. And um, in having the heart attack, Randall is forced to reflect on once again, life without Dante. He's had Dante mm -hmm. this entire time. Uh, Dante is on his deathbed and Randall thinks back to everything that Dante said about him and about his selfishness and self-centeredness. And so he recuts the movie because originally it's about Randall. Randall's the star of yeah. this movie, but he recuts it and it's from the perspective of Dante uh, because Randall realizes that he, you know, he was the centerpiece. He was the glue keeping it all together. And then Dante dies. And, uh, and so they cut to the funeral scene and Randall's giving the eulogy and he says he wasn't even supposed uh, to be here. <laughs> I lost it. I cried hard. I, I, like, I was inconsolable I'm, I'm in the theater for a while. Yeah, it's, Do what? it's rough. I was inconsolable in the theater. Like my wife didn't really like thought it was sad, but she was more like reacting to me whose like fucking face fell off. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I had the movie ruined for me by somebody. Uh, I knew that Dante was going to have a heart attack and possibly mm -hmm. die. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know what was going to what was going to happen during the whole thing where Randall lives up to that friend that he's been all this you know all this time. I mean, mm -hmm. he really he goes above and beyond being that that crutch, that friend, that that support that he's been, the silent support that he's been for such a long time. Yeah, he's goofy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's irreverent. Yeah, he could be a dick at times, mm -hmm. but he's been nothing but a friend and 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 loves Dante. And a heart attack is a scary thing, whether you live through it or not. My dad had a heart attack, and it was terrifying for the whole family mm -hmm. and him. And he changed everything within a twenty-four hour, you know, time sure. period. He quit nicotine flat out. He uh, he changed. He threw everything in the house away just about when he got home. That uh, was that mm -hmm. was unhealthy. Obviously, that didn't stick with me. Um, but he, you know, he started walking and running and all this other stuff, or not running, but jogging a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and he stuck to it, man. He's really stuck to it. Um, but uh, so he it, it it scared him into a different lifestyle. He even started going to church with us and everything. Um, not because he was scared, but because he's like, I have to live differently now. Mm -hmm. You know, the way I've been living isn't, isn't working. So I have right. to find something different. So you can go one of two ways with that. When I had my anxiety about with anxiety and still have it, I thought I was having a heart attack. It's terrifying. It's terrifying at first. And then, uh, but there's one or two ways you can go. You can go, Hey, I need to celebrate. I need to figure out what's going on or I can, or I can start living differently. You know, mm -hmm and try to, to, to change this, you know, uh, or I can, you know, or, or I can just go, Hey, I need to start living for me now because I almost lost it. And Randall goes the other way. He goes, I need to start living for me. I need to start doing stuff. So I'm going to make a movie about me. And, um, and then, and then when it comes down to it, you know, he just kind of, he, he sees the folly in that. And in the end, it makes the movie about Dante. Right. And that that's what crushed me right there. He's like, no, no, no. I have you know, this has always been about you. And the other uh, thing 
the other thing that really got to me about this movie is it deals with what happened after Clerks 2. So Clerks 2 ends with Dante and Rosario Dawson getting together. Oh. And it, it's revealed that they had, you know, the, they were together. She birthed the child. She, the child Ooh, and girl. Rosario Dawson dies in a car accident. And Dante, yeah, and Dante is like forever um, unable to get past it. So I'm of two minds about it. One, I think it, I think all of the stuff in Dante dealing with the trauma of losing his family, the um, the depression, the inability to move on, especially with that character, I think all is very relevant and very poignant and. I think it speaks to a lot of us in a, you know in, in different ways. The problem was that character, that actor, um, I gotta get his real name here. Brian O'Halloran. Um, Brian O'Halloran, not that good of an actor. And I I think he's able to carry off what he has to do in the first two movies well. This one he had to dig that there's a deep well of sadness that he had to dig into. And because it's poignant and relevant, I think the not great acting is forgivable. But there were a couple of scenes there where he's talking to her ghost and he's trying. Don't get me wrong. I don't really mean to bash the guy. I just like a better actor makes that more believable. He came across as clearly acting. Uh, the only time that I can think that was outside of movies. Okay. Other times I really bought into it for him. I thought he'd put, I, I mean, you know, and it's just all opinion, of course, but mm-hmm. and then I'm not, you know, arguing with you. I'm just saying, me yeah. personally, I think I thought he put in an, a, a, a hell of a, a performance. I thought it was mm-hmm. great. I, I, it was just, I, I've never seen, I've seen a lot of stuff with him in it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I've never seen that out of him. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. like, that's what got me too, because I've, I've met the dude. He's a great guy. And he obviously loves doing mm-hmm. these movies. Sure. And to I don't put know that much into much anything it. else. <laughs> and, then, and then to put that much into it, knowing mm-hmm. that that character's gone. That character's done. So I'm looking at, I mean, I'm looking at some of his uh, work here. Not Kevin Smith stuff. Um, he played, he was in Vulgar. He's in Drop Dead Roses as himself. <laughs> yeah. um, he's in something called Brutal Massacre, uh, The Junior Defenders, The Happening, Hooking Up. Um, he's done some voice work, it looks like. Uh, Cry for Revenge, right before your eye. Uh, yeah, I don't know any of this stuff. Um, the most recent thing that he's done is something called The Retaliators, where he's obnoxious guy at Christmas Tree Place. Outlook. I'm not trying to bash the guy, but I I think I think when he's given the Kevin Smith stuff and just told be kind of yourself, I think he's fine. When a, he got asked to do a lot for Clerks Three, and I and I think it was out of his reach. I get that, but um, I really don't have that much more to add about Clerks Three. It's it's yet again another love letter to the fans. It's a love letter to the people who fell in love with Clerks and Kevin Smith. It's a celebration of that movie. But if you cut all that stuff, it, there's not much to it other than the last act after Dante dies. That's like the most. That's the richest stuff of the movie. The rest of it, I mean, there's some stuff with Elias that I I found myself tuning. You know, 
the I put up a TikTok earlier of uh, in the um, the text is always my brain when and then whatever the, the situation is and it's Homer going da 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 day da 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 yeah 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 there were a couple of Elias scenes where the gag got old real quick and in my head I'm just going da 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 hey da 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 I don't know I thought I thought it was funny the entire time I was like did you ever read did you ever read the, the the Daredevil series that Kevin Smith wrote? Yeah. We reviewed it on source material a couple of years ago. And I remember saying, like, Kevin Smith likes the sound of his own writing. It was a slog to get through. I love Kevin Smith, but there was mm-hmm. a lot of words in that. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly are a lot of words here. Too bad I'm not <laughs> reading them. Yeah, it was me through <laughs> the entire, that entire Daredevil series. But it's the same problem with his movies. Like, we get that that's There's your trick. And, and your trick... In two, in your trick in 1994 worked really, really well because nobody was doing it. We have 20 years of talky fucking movies. I there was way too much of it in this. It drove me a little nuts. It, it I, I, I get that, and I understand why it could because it's. Mm-hmm. It, but like you said, it's a love letter. It wouldn't have worked any other way. I don't think no. it would have worked if it wasn't talking. No, because like I think people talking. go to like a Kevin Smith movie, and that's kind of what they want. You yeah. know, it's like. You go to see Journey play, you want to hear um, uh, One Day Love. One yeah. Day one love day will find you. Find you. Yeah. yeah. I want to hear yeah. Open Arms. Yeah, okay, fine. Because I can't remember what the name of the goddamn song is. Yep. Oh, everyone wants to hear Open Arms. Right. <laughs> everyone wants to see Kevin Smith write stupid talky scenes and they want to laugh and they're not going to say about it. But here I am in the, in the, service of talking about this from critically and i and i'm just noticing it's it's a you know it's like all right here we are we're playing open arms again hope you're ready yeah <laughs> find a word on clerks three and then we'll get out of here <clears throat> i i'm that pie, you know that that pie in the sky kind of i guess that's the right it was everything i wanted it to be mm-hmm. uh i enjoyed um really chill out um the force awakens because it was so much like um uh number four yeah Yeah. um i enjoyed this one because it's so much like the first one um but you know just to see them i mean like he was opening up the whole place and then he actually got to open the shutters of the wind you know the shutters Mm -hmm. during the day i was like oh that's great um, and then when he was, you know, put out the newspapers, newspapers, remember these, you know, he caught that and he fixed the coffee and he did everything and he went behind the register, just like in the first movie, but then he put his hand on Rosario Dawson's picture, you know, the, um, the thing, the, the funeral bulletin, whatever it was. And, uh, you know, and I, that right there immediately broke me. I was like, oh, God, I didn't know that was going to happen. Well, was that the sign out front that says, I assure you were in mourning? Yeah. Um, oh. No, that was when he died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, that was that that one got me too. But mm-hmm. he did everything exactly the same. And then, then, then that one instant, that one moment where he touched her picture, and then he just put his head on the counter. And I was like, oh, it's for a different reason now. Yeah. His his life isn't bad. It's I mean, because of the quick stop. His life is actually good because he owns the quick stop. It's because he lost his you know as he put it his happy ending. 
They lost the love of his life. Yeah, and I was just sitting there, and I was like, well, uh, buckle in, Ronnie. There's some tears going to start coming. Um, and, you know, it just it hit those moments for me of, of tears, of laughter, of of reminiscence, and um, and that's why I liked it. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when uh, Veronica showed up, and she just looks at him and goes, want to screw? And I was like, what? Yeah, that, that's about like them. And then all of a sudden, you know, the the uh, uh, the vehicles rocking back and forth, and they're all like, "Oh yeah, Dante." And uh, it, it was just one of those, you know, it was just good to see the little things like that back, where you know uh, that that made it familiar again, made it comfortable again, and then it made me uncomfortable with making me sad. Yeah, you know, through the whole thing. And then there was a glimmer of hope at the end, where he was like. Hey, remember what I said in well in you know, Randall looks like, remember what I said a long time ago, but it was in Clark's too. Goes when when Dante's out of here, you're my new best friend. Who else am I gonna hang out with? And he, he right. put his arm around Elias, and Elias then owned, you know, because of his NFTs, his his buddy Christ kites, <laughs> uh, uh, he owned uh, half of the, the quick stop with him. <laughs> and uh, I was like, Man, that's it's just so cool because there it is. There's, there's your, you know, I, I doubt there'll be a, ever be a Clark's four, but it keeps going. I you know? hope not. What else? I, you know, I'll, let me just say this and then we'll, we'll close up here. Knowing when to say when I think is a lost art in film. Yeah. I think he knows when to say when on this. I hope one. so. Like it ended perfectly. Please don't do this anymore. I mean, I mean, you've got, we know it's carried on through Elias and Randall. Yeah. Randall has somebody now. Um, he's not alone. Uh, and mm-hmm. the quick stop lives on, and the RST THC right. shop lives on. Yeah, we, uh, we don't where, need more. That's where Jay and Silent Bob now work mm-hmm. or own the RST THC. They still deal outside the store. <laughs> um, and uh, did you? Notice, uh, I, it took me a second to realize what it was, but the, the videotape box—that's what they stored their their uh, their joints in. Yep. And they popped it open. And they would give. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, but, uh, it was just one of those, for me, like I said, it was like, at first it was like putting on that, that, that sweatshirt and getting comfortable. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's a giant tear in it around my heart. Oh, <laughs> Ronnie Adams. Aww. But it was, but it was good. It was like, I, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't have asked for anything more out of it as a fan. Yeah. Well, folks, that is our Long Road to Ruin on Clarks. I think you've been on more Long Road to Ruins than Sean has this year, uh, which is wow. funny to me. Um, By the way, <laughs> speaking of reminiscent and everything, <clears throat> the the music you picked out, plus all the art that that is you know that has come in the past, me that kind of hits me right here, you know, in the yeah. in the field. I was like, I, man, I don't you did a enjoy, good job on that. I don't necessarily always enjoy doing Long Road to Ruin just because it's a lot of prep beforehand um, as far as watching a lot of movies in order to talk about it. Not that I don't like the, the discussions. It's just if yeah. it's, it's a lot easier to do one movie than it is to do three. Um, but I always enjoy watching the intro with the music and kind of going back through. As I, as I go back and I listen and I put up the old shows into the archive and I go back and I listen to them and I look at Ben's art, I, you know, I get a little misty-eyed myself. But uh, yeah. tomorrow, moving onward and upward... Uh, we're going to be doing two shows, one with an old boss of mine, uh, Adrian Wagner. She's going to come on. We're going to talk Michael Pollan's How to Change Your Mind. That'll be the second Michael Pollan documentary that we've talked about. And then uh, when I get back um, tomorrow night at 10 o'clock p.m., uh, 
Pat Mullen and I will be doing an on trial for They Live. It'll be the 34th anniversary of that movie. Oh, yeah. Showing Roddy Piper. So that's going to be fun. Um, this Saturday, we've got a re-airing of our Damn You Hollywood for Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, and then on the 6th... Blowing the dust off that one. Jesse Starcher will, uh, will be putting out a Rise of the Black Panther source material, in theory. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, Alexis Haina will be having people on the talk house of the dragon the on the eighth. It's election day, so we'll be doing election coverage. And then, uh, speaking of three movies, we'll be doing a triple feature for Death Proof, Hobo with a Shotgun, and Planet Terror. That'll be myself and the Protocol son, Jason Teasley. And then Alexis Haina bat and clean up again. She'll have some people on the talk Cabinet of Curiosities on Thursday. November 10th. So that's what's going on. Um, yesterday we reviewed Pray for the Devil. It's a shit movie, but we had a fun conversation. Um, and then we've got uh, a whole bunch of Everyone Loves a Bad Guy throughout the month of October dealing with various elements of the horror genre. Check those out. Robert did a really good job with those. Sean Comer was on a bunch of them. Ben Cologne was on a bunch of them. So give them a listen. They, uh, they're they good stuff. Ronnie Adams, go ahead and do your plugs and let's, let's take it home, baby doll. All right, my friend. Um... I do a, I do a, hey, I play Dungeons and Dragons. I'm a dungeon master who is running a game called Rhyme of the Frost Maiden and it's been going on for over, well, close to a year now. And uh, so we are about, uh, yeah, yeah, we're having a blast with it. So it's every other Saturday and we, uh, we stream it on Twitch. So if you go to twitch.tv slash misfits and miscreants, that is misfits and miscreants, you'll be able to see that. Um, there's more stuff coming up. That we're going to get get going, get done, and um, you know some Call of Cthulhu uh, and some non tabletop stuff that is going to be coming up too. Uh, excuse me, and um, uh, yeah, that's that's basically what I do right now. If you live in the tri-state area, uh, not tri-state area. If you live in the tri- the the triad area of North Carolina, which is you know Burlington, blah 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 blah, Greensboro, Durham, and all that, um, and you need a dungeon master for your birthday, your uh, your your bachelor party or your bar mitzvah or whatever you want. Uh, yeah, get a hold of me. I'll do it. I, I got good rates, so give me a holler. Shameless self plug there as well. If you give him a dollar, he'll make you holler and get paid the wild thing. All right, <laughs> for, for Ronnie Adams, I'm Mark Rattledge. This has been Long Road to Ruin. Be well, be safe, and behave.